Okay, I think you can start now. Welcome to another Villarreal USA podcast. Uh, this is Sid, and I'm joined by Alan on the left coast. Good evening, Alan. Good evening. Uh, it's been uh, a long day, I suppose, uh, putting news together between some social news in the U.S. Uh, and then all of a sudden for a club that stays close to the vest – uh, there's a lot of stories that came out about Villarreal in the past uh, 24 hours. So uh, we're here to uh, make sense of it, uh, the, the least of which in some ways is actually tomorrow's match. So maybe we'll we'll sort of get that one out of the way ahead, Alan. Right. Um, looks, yeah. looks like the reports are saying, based on the TV money, that the difference between fifth and sixth could be worth up to 8 million euros. Um, VRL doesn't have to win uh, if Atleti, you know, gets a result against La Real. Um, yeah. And Atleti does have something to play for to make sure that they finish in third, similar to mm-hmm. us finishing fifth versus sixth. Um, right. But what... <laughs> And it does tie into, of course, the other stories about departures and otherwise. But what what do you expect to see in terms of R eleven and and how 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 do you sort of expect things to go? Knowing that A bar is one of those teams, I'd say sort of Levante, Osasuna are types I'd throw in with them. That mm-hmm. even if they don't have anything to play for, you know you're going to get a you're going to get a game, you're going to get a competitive opponent. Right. Well, you remember last season, this was the last match of the, of the year, too. And we um, prevailed 1-0. It wasn't always incredibly comfortable, but I think we did pretty well. You know, I think we probably... Se- are, second to last, right? But it was the match that, second, that ensured we second, stayed up. Yeah, yep. it was second to last. Yep. Yep. Um, but I think we probably are going to... I don't see us doing a whole lot different. I do think even though we don't have any fans there to cheer him on, I think we'd probably give Bruno a start and give Santi a start. Um, mm-hmm. I think... I'll be all will come back in. Be all will come back in. Um, I think we probably go our regular recent 4-4-2, and, uh, and I think we probably look to take it to them and get a lead in the first half. That seems to be what works best for us. Um, when we lost there, if you remember, that was, God, that was so far back. It seems like five years ago. Mm-hmm. But, um, we, we were behind one nil. We equalized right near the end. And then we got caught kind of trying to go further forward and get a winner ourselves. And they snatched one. I think it was Oriana who's not with them now. So, um, I think we, I think it'll be a competitive match. Um, I hope that that between the departures of Santi and Bruno and what's going on vis-a-vis the coaching question that we'll look at, I hope the team comes out really motivated and plays really well because they might as well leave it all on the field because this is the last match of the season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think obviously in addition to the money, and again, I think we've said, a few times the money is more important this year than I'm sure it's ever been um, mm-hmm. uh, given all the revenue shortfalls 
but I think also, you know, there is something sort of to me about being fifth is sort of the best of the rest. Um, you know, and, and again, we've had some discussions on this podcast about where we think we are squad wise. And I, I think sort of fifth is probably a fair reflection of, of where we think we are squad wise as well. I think probably so. I mean, I, I, I would say when at the se- when the season started, when I think back to when the season started, I think you were probably. Oh gosh, up. you're gonna have to bring out the, the yeah. predictions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were saying, you know, I think this team can get into the Champions League, but you know, you weren't wrong. I think, I think the possibility was there, but, and this, and we'll, you know, this gets into the coaching thing. I mean, you know, do we, have we gotten the most out of the squad? I don't know. I think, I think if, if we finish fifth, you can at least say that, all right, that's probably, as you said, about the level where we think we could easily see ourselves at. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't, I, I think it's one of those that you don't feel like there's a team ahead of you that couldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Whereas if mm-hmm. a, you know, I think if a Hitafe finished ahead of you, you'd say, okay, yes, maybe they have border loss, but that, that's really not a team that should be. That's right. Um, you know, if we do finish sixth, I suppose you probably could say, given that La Real also have Odegaard, you know, the, the squad there might be good enough. Um, mm-hmm. but having beaten them, um, you know, and sort of set things up, I think that would be a little bit disappointing given, particularly given where we were going into the last three games of the season so yeah i think it's it the, the thing is this season is so tough to judge mm-hmm. anyway. um mm-hmm. i mean i think the real the real question is how do you how do you change the team so when you look at the difference between fourth and fifth it's probably going to end up being about 10 points mm-hmm and you look at Sevilla, which lost, I think, six times all year, and most of those were to, to the teams ahead of them. You look at us, who have lost 14 matches over the course of the season. Um, I think Barcelona. I, the I, only I, I got to jump in and say I'm one thing I'm happy about, and we have talked about this many years on this podcast. We finally stopped drawing as many games this season. We did. Yeah. <laughs> so, so only six draws, which is really honestly one of the, one of the factors to success to actually sort of go for those games. And sometimes you lose, sometimes you win, but that averages out to better than two draws. So yeah. And that, and when you think about it, that's really the thing. If you, if you look at our results since the break, What's really done it for us has been the fact that we defeated Celta. We didn't just draw with them on the mm-hmm. road. We beat them. We mm-hmm. beat Betis. We beat Granada. Now yep. we only know, have one draw. We, we only have one draw. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that has been very successful. Now, you know, why is that? Does, does the lack of fans play into that? I don't know. I mean, that's, those are all good, good things to think about, but, Going forward, if you're going to lose that many games, you sure as hell better win as many as we did. Because, okay. um, but you, when you look at Sevilla, 
what and and I would say Atleti as well because Atleti have been the kings of draws this year. Uh-huh. You know what ha- what has separated them from from us is that they are able to at least get a draw in the games where they don't play well and they get a lot of wins when they should. And I think that's the thing that for us, uh, and I'm not sure that it's a thing that a change in coach or, or anything helps. I don't know, but that seems to be a continuing problem over the last couple of years. If we had drawn more of those matches that we won, We'd be looking at another mid-table finish and saying, "Look at our record at home; it really wasn't very good." Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm looking a little bit at, at Sevilla, and they did lose um, to Celta. They lost to Abar, so you know it hasn't been sort of all pretty for them. Um, and and then you know, <laughs> if you're judging it on the basis of exactly what we're talking about. They actually are basically ahead of us this year based on the number of additional draws they have. They only have mm-hmm. one more win. Right. Um, but I, I would not say though that I think, um, the, the reason that they've gotten ahead of us is those draws. I still feel a little bit like, and this will touch on the manager point as well, that, you know, I, I watched some of that A-bar game a couple of weeks ago, which I think was really the one that sort of put them put too the far top. ahead yeah. of us. Yeah. yeah, And again, you know, getting Lucas Ocampos to come in as your backup goalie and stop their goalie from a shot on the line, you know, yeah. in the hundredth minute against A-bar, like those are the kind of sort of just grind out the one nil, um, mm-hmm. which as you say, we have been able to do since the, since the, you know, post COVID, but pre COVID had no success. Um, and, and I think some of that is borne out by, if you look at our numbers, if we are able to take three points tomorrow, we will be exactly at two points per game post restart. Mm -hmm. So it certainly has not been the performance there. It'll be 22 from 11. Uh, so I get us to 60 and it'll be 38 from the prior 27. So that's not even a point and a half per game, per game. pace right. that we were on previously. So, right. so, you know, very, very significant, uh, uptick there that if we were, you know, five points closer on the front end, um, then, you know, this would be a race that would have come down to the very end. Right. Well, as you said, if we had not, you know, that's we had two stretches where we went, I think it was like the month of November, was it, or October, where we went, we, we didn't win a game in there. And then we had the stretch right before the you know, first break. Three, three losses in a row. Yeah. And that, that, you know, when you look at the, at the teams that finish in the, in the top four, it's pretty rare that you see that sort of streakiness. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and again, I mean, as we've been saying all season, that that comes back in some ways too. Is that is that the fault of the way the front office shaped the roster? Is that the fault of the coach? Is that the fault of the players? I mean, you know, how do you how do you look at how do you look at what you need to fix? Yeah, well, and it's worth noting, right, of the four teams remaining in the relegation fight, we lost all of them. Mm-hmm. 
So, so, um, you know, that right there kind of ought to tell you the story that turned those into, you know, two wins, right? But if you talk about all four, look where we are at the table. So that, that's not saying, hey, you need to be going and beating Real Madrid when they need to win the league and, uh, Mm -hmm. get a phantom penalty call and then get to retake it and blah, blah, blah. But right. uh, just just do your job, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the, the if, you need, is, if you need a player to come on and make a save in the hundredth minute against Abar, just make sure you do that. Yeah, the thing that's the thing that's interesting about the league, and we've talked about this before too, that the when the TV money became more fair, you saw the the teams sort of in the middle of the pack, and and by that I mean like sort of tenth through fifteenth got better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm-hmm. competition for 6th through 10th got better. Mm-hmm. And we've been pretty successful against those clubs for the most part. I mean, we, you know, yeah, we've we've lost some, but we've also won some. Mm-hmm. And and you and overall it's like, you know, you look at the teams that 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 you need to beat we do a pretty good job against those middling teams. It's the teams at the bottom that you're like, oh my God, how did we lose to Espanol this year? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, one of one of five wins on the season. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that's and and it's not just this year, and it's not just under Calejo. That's been a partly. I feel like it's almost a reflection of our style of play, which is which has always been very, very. Um, it's been very attractive to watch. It's been very stylish. But the end product has often not been there. And you compare that to a team like Real Madrid or um, Barcelona at their best who just basically bludgeon you, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and certainly Madrid, I think, is, is uh, Madrid, Madrid, I would say, even is, is kind of was kind of a suffocate you this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, right. looking at their numbers, it was the goals against. 23 for the year, uh, even better than Atleti. Right. Uh, that's really way, what did it for them. You know, Barcelona teams, scored 13 more goals than they did. Right. So. And the way the teams, the, the teams at the top win those games, I mean, I think we see this every year. The thing you need to do to get into fourth, whether it's Sevilla, whether it's Valencia, you know, whoever it is, is you've got to have those games where you basically suffocate everything for a while and then you know in the last 10 minutes you get a goal and you win one nil i mean it's not pretty Mm -hmm. but that's how you that's how you get results over the course of the season and that's um you know i'd I'd love to it's too bad in a way because i'd love to think that the attacking swashbuckling five three wins are the way that you progress but you know history tells you that that's not so much so Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, Sevilla, you know, was behind both us and La Real in goals scored, but they've conceded 15 less for the season. Mm-hmm. So. And you even look at the Segunda, where you 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 know the teams that come up from the Segunda. Look at Elche, the year that that they won it, and we came up behind them. I mean, the the trick is a great defense. You know, if, if you can keep from conceding, you're you know you you can do a lot. Where if you're a team like Betis that scores a bunch but also gives up goals and droves, look where you are in the table. 
Mm-hmm. And of the teams in the top half, the only team that conceded more than we have uh, is Valencia. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. Um, I, I know we jumped around a little bit. So just any last thoughts on the match? Yeah, I suppose if we're looking at 11, Asenjo, probably Alberto, Pau, Albiol comes back in, Mario. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to like, Pena instead of Mario, but I think I think Mario probably starts there. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a little bit of a changing of the guard thing as well, that he will take the armband perhaps if the other two are, are pulled off. Um, yeah, that could be. During could, the game. Yeah. Zombo, Zombo Ibora in the pivot seems to be when mm-hmm. we've had the choice, what we've done. And then... Um, if Sant- Pons- Santi and then either Samu or Ontiveros. I'm tending to think Ontiveros based on based on recent form. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I, then have we heard about Paco? Do we think he dropped? I haven't. Out I, 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 I'm assuming he's going to be okay because I think he I think he's basically just had various muscle issues. But if he's okay, then I think he and Gerard. If he's not, then maybe we start Samu up there. But. Um, I don't think we see Fair Nino again, and um, or or we see Bora, who again did yeah, score we, that goal and had the yeah. golden chance at the end of that Madrid game uh, yeah. that he scuffed. So yeah, so, so. I think that's probably yeah. yeah, yeah. I I think um, I think that's probably where we end up, and then you know, and then the subs you can kind of. Depending on how the game goes, you know, you figure uh, Ruben Pena will get in um, if uh, Auntie or um, Samu don't start, they'll get in. Um, you know, Moy if he doesn't start, will get in. Um, you know, beyond beyond that, I guess that's that's three, and then you got uh, probably Mono or Romanes, somebody. Yeah. Yeah, somebody for Bruno and somebody for Santi, yeah. you would think. Yeah, I would so. think so. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of where we are. It's not, it's a last game of the season. You might as well, even though we have a shortened um, <laughs> break and, and preseason, might as well leave it all on the pitch here because there's there's no tomorrow. And, um, mm-hmm. and Again, eight, eight million euros, apparently. Well, I, I, you know, I don't know if that number is exactly right, but I do know that there's a difference in the Europa League too. If you if you, if you qualify fifth versus sixth, the way they distribute the um, TV money in the Europa League has to do with um, where you finished in your domestic league. So that's ah, interesting for the, for the group stage. Yeah, and that okay. might be part of the eight million too. But they're thinking about hmm. it. So. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so let's see if we can we can get that done. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe jumping, do we have to talk about Bruno and Santi, of course, but maybe jumping to the, the manager point, because it seems like yeah. that may be coming to a head more immediately. Um, rumors, rumors are, and I'm not, not surprised, and this goes back to one of those questions I think we asked, how much stock do you place in these last 11 games? Mm-hmm. Um, rumors are that Unai Emery, uh, was in serious discussions um, mm-hmm. prior to the pandemic, and you know I don't know that he would have been a mid-season hire, but certainly after the Leganes loss, 
I think there had there would have had to have been questions. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seeing particularly how many managers even have been fired post pandemic, uh, you'd have to think Kaeha maybe was was uh, on a short leash. You know, if we had lost the game after the Leganes match. I guess mm-hmm. that ended up being the Celta game. Celta, yeah. Uh, you know, he, he may have been out the door then. Um, obviously <laughs> he now at this point, 10 games in here where we're already qualified, uh, without, uh, you know, we, we've jumped at least two places, uh, if not three in, in the table, um, in, in just this last third of the season. What what stock do you do you place in the rumors and and where where do you think that ends up and and do you do you think that eleven games should have been sort of enough to save his job if we are able to say go from eighth to fifth? I've been thinking about this all day and I'm still conflicted. I have to tell you, I think that. You know, certainly there, I mean, for one thing, there, there's sort of two series of, two sets of reports, and I think the truth is probably somewhere in between. The, the first, which is sort of the most innocuous report, is that, as you said, that, you know, the board was really concerned with the lack of progress when we were, when we took the break, we had lost to Leganes, we were, what, eighth or ninth in the table and going backwards. And so there were some sort of contacts with Emery um, or his representatives. Uh, the the two versions of the story I've heard, I mean, one is that that was basically it, you know, that, that essentially Emery was was contacted. Um, the second is a little more uh, suggests that maybe we actually have in the interim got some sort of agreement with him that he can take over at, and if we say if we decide not to exercise it we have to pay him something not to exercise it i don't know you know how true that is i've also seen the press conference that Kaleha gave today or parts of it and you know it's been reported two different ways too i mean i think he certainly was very diplomatic and very um I would say he he would he said everything that he needed to say properly. Um, <laughs> clearly, at he was frustrated by some of the questions and the fact that he feels in his mind that he's done enough to merit continuing. Um, and I think for and I think the question really is for for Senior Reich to say, okay, are we? Are we okay continuing with him for another season? And I have to say, regardless, I mean, I'll feel good and bad about whatever happens. I think if we do decide to continue with Kaeha, I'm not convinced he's the coach to take us to Champions League. Um, but I do see some progress there. I'm not convinced that if we had played a regular season, we'd be in fifth place. I'll put it that way. I think we really benefited from the COVID rescheduling. If Mm -hmm. we end up hiring Emery, you and I have talked for many years about how much we admire Emery and how much we think he would be a good coach for Villarreal. So I won't be unhappy about that, but it does seem to say it would be something of a shift in the team philosophy, I think. 
Um, my expectation has always been if Kaleja didn't work out, we would go for somebody like Paco Lopez. Emery would be the highest profile coach we'd ever signed. And I think that would bring with it a whole set of requirements and demands that I'm not sure we can fulfill, especially since we don't have a director of football right now. So yet again, the eight million <laughs> will come <laughs> to good use, uh, if, if we need it. Cause I'm, I'm sure there's a, there's a few more zeros behind that contract than, than Kaeha's. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some, something interesting that strikes me when you were saying that, and we certainly have debated, um, Emery, uh, a, a few times. Uh, one thing I wanted to note is, I'm not sure we touched on it at any point, but Pellegrini signing with Betis, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. was, was also interesting. And frankly, I, I think that's extremely shrewd on their part. I think that is the fit for them. It's not the Kike Setien or, or Ruby, you know, somebody with a little bit more structure, but the ability to, to accommodate that kind of football. So yeah, I, we've said it for many years, but I actually might believe next year to actually watch out for Betis, um, <laughs> to, to actually make a move in the table. Uh, but we'll, yeah. we'll see how the off season goes. Um, and I think the thing that's really difficult for us is, I mean, there are a lot of variables here, but I, that we just don't know. I mean, part of it is, you know, okay, his relationship with the board and with the players. Part of it is the whole question. I mean, this season and next season are going to be very strange. We have no knowledge at this point that fans are going to be allowed back into La Liga matches in the fall. Um, you know, that's the hope, but we don't know that. There's, you know, as we're recording this, Barcelona is um, basically encouraging everybody yeah, to stay yeah. home and because they're concerned about another outbreak. So, you know, we've got no idea of what financial pressures Villarreal feel. Or also, uh, you know, from a financial perspective, we probably have been affected less by this than some other clubs. And so does that give us the ability to sort of row the boat further out in the water to hire somebody like Emery than, than another club? I don't, I don't know the answers to those things. Um, mm-hmm. I do feel personally as though I've, the fundamental problem with Kaeha, you know, he's basically been here now for the better part of three different years, even though he's mm-hmm. in a, had a full year, right? Um, well, I guess this year was a full year, but it's weird. So the fundamental issue for me is that we still don't have the balance between defense and attack right. Um, it's, it's like all those statistics you cited, you know, the thing that we need to do to move up to the next level is really to tighten up the, de- the defense rather than score more goals. And I'm not sure that he's the coach to do that. Um, I will say that I've been very impressed with his ability to learn from his mistakes. And he's not the coach like Marcelino, who was wedded to a, you know, we're going to play a 4-4-2 come hell or high water. Um, he's not like Garrido, who is, we're going to play a 4-4-2, including two players out of position every game. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's willing to be very flexible. And, and that's good in a lot of ways. But on the other hand, I find myself thinking, what exactly does he bring 
to the table that somebody else couldn't. It's it's almost like the um you know we've got in, in baseball the wins over replacement. Mm-hmm. What are his wins over replacement? I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, and maybe we'll take a quick break and talk about more Emory uh, right after this. Okay, and we're back. So we were discussing Kaeha and and Emory and uh, the rumors that there there may be some kind of agreement in in place or at least an option, if you will, um, to... To, to make a managerial change. I, I think one thing you touched on, which is going to be interesting, and again, I'll still go back. I, I really do think this, whatever the number is, the fifth place finish is important to really setting some of these things in motion. Um, mm-hmm. But I think something that is noteworthy is Kaeha came in, uh, again, sort of off the back of, you know, a heck of a lot of confusion um, with with Marcelino's departure, and um, you know, players were brought in that maybe weren't necessarily his choosing. And then I think last off season, we all were scratching our heads as we basically gave away every wing threat that we had on the team. <laughs> And it felt like on the B team as well, we basically just gave away all of our wide players. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it'll be an interesting changing of the guard. Um, and we'll certainly talk about Bruno and Cazorla's departures more. But, you know, in the locker room, there will be a changing of the guard. Uh, I think, you know, Bruno and Cazorla being two probably of the three highest paid players, I think with mm-hmm. Baca, okay. um, yeah. maybe Bora. So, you know, well, definitely maybe, two of the top five, but we know yeah. that also Bruno has been paid without having played for, mm-hmm. um, for these seasons. Um, so that also gives the ability for somebody to come in and exert a little bit more authority in a way that perhaps a Kaeha being young, being sort of viewed as loyal to management and having this, you know, sort of veteran team where again, you know, I think we've learned more about Bruno since he came back, what he was doing all that time than we ever did while he was gone. Um, but, you know, it seems that he was around the team all the time. And I think, you know, in many ways still, you know, would have been kind of the spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was he was exerting an influence there that I think, you know, looking at Kaeha, who I suppose would have been his former teammate at, at one point running crossing pads there, um, or at least in the system together, mm-hmm. that, you know, he wouldn't have been able to exert himself. So I do think Kaeha, if he comes back next year, is in a different position. Um that's a good point. You, you know, and that's true with Santi as well. You remember that yep. Kaeha, the part of the reason why Kaeha got less playing time with Virial was the emergence of a young Santi Casorla. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so so, but but that cuts the other way of I can understand therefore because again all of these decisions have to be interrelated. I imagine that management knew where Bruno and Santi were leaning. Again, Bruno would have missed the whole season, so his contract just would have been up. Right. Um, but they had to have some idea about what Santi was thinking, even you know pre-pandemic. Um, it certainly means you bring in an Unai Emery, and he's the boss from day one. He's getting to set the team as he wants to pick the new changing of the guard in the leadership. Like he really comes in with authority. Um, and if you're going to bring in a manager with that kind of cachet, you have to give him that ability. So, you know, if you say punt this down the road one more season, you know, he may not be coming into a situation where he has that ability in the same manner. Well, and I think I think the reality is, I mean, we we definitely will have a changing of the guard with the departure of Bruno and Santi. And the question is, how big a, depart, a, a changing of the guard is it? If it if it also involves the coach, you're you're right. I mean, but and and the and I think if we if we don't if we really decided as a board, you know, if, let's imagine that you and I are the Villarreal board, right? I mean, we've got one of the God God help the team, but I know, right? But <laughs> but one question we would have to say to ourselves first of all is. Is Unai Emery the guy we really want? You know, is he the guy that we really want to break our budget for in terms of our of what we pay our coach, in terms of what sort of control we want to give him, and all of that stuff? Because if you say yes, well, and I'm going to ask you the you question: have to, if not, if not him, who would you sort of pick? Because I think you'd have to say it's got to be someone who's had success in Spain, and, and it can't just be my, somebody. You know, who's like Mourinho, who's just coached only the top two teams in any league that he's been in until he went to Tottenham. Um, and I think, that, and I think that's my point is that if you want Emery, this is your chance to get him. That's right. Um, because you can't wait a year and say, Oh, you know, we decided after we finished 12th or whatever we did that, that Kaeha isn't it. So now we want to hire you. Well, forget it. You know, that's not going to be an option. So I think the one question you have to ask as a board is where are your priorities Do you, and where is your where does your loyalty lie? If your loyalty lies to to you know the 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 humble club servant who has done who hasn't done anything wrong, you know, I mean mm-hmm. we're we're getting into Europe after all. But mm-hmm. you're making the decision, you know, so is that where your loyalty lies or does your loyalty lie to to I really want to get this guy. He is the guy I want. That's a big gamble because it may not work out. But it, but that's the, that's one question you have to you have to ask yourself. And related to that is you know if again if you and I are the board and we're meeting with with Emery's representatives, you know that not only is he going to want um, control over the team more than than Kaya had. But he's also going to want a transfer budget. He's going to he's going to have mm-hmm. a list of players that he wants, mm-hmm. and he may very well have a have a request for you know you guys really need to hire somebody to help um, Senior Raj Negaroas as the um, as the director of football here. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they have a whole laundry list of demands. I don't know, but it wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, if that's true, are you willing to live with that? Um, and I think as a board, you also have to ask yourself, okay, you know, we've never had a coach, even with Pellegrini and Pellegrini's success. It wasn't Pellegrini who got rid of Riquelme. It was, right, it, it was the front office. It was Senior mm-hmm. Rock. That was the ultimate mm-hmm. authority. And so are you... Yeah, it could it could well have been Pellegrini who who was gone instead, and we, yeah. we, we saw that with Marcelino. Yeah, exactly. So so, the, so I think it really is a fundamental, you know, this is a decision that you can't rush into because it's a fundamental change in how you're doing business. And I think that's where some of the, it, it's funny because it's like before the break, everybody was like, you know, Calleja, Vete, Ya, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And now it's like everybody's sort of like, oh, God, we feel so bad for him because, mm-hmm. and and I get that. Because part of it, part of the question that it, that it comes down to is, on the one hand, you're having to make a decision about him. You know, what is his upside? And one of our commenters on the site was making the point that, you know, he really likes Calleja because of his ability to be flexible and everything like that in terms of his, of his, who he plays and, and how he plays them and everything like that. And that's, that's a valid point. Um, the other p- question, though, is, okay, how far is that going to get you? Do mm-hmm. you, you know, ultimately, whether you like it or not, the teams that succeed tend to be, and this was true with Marcelino with us, they tend to be coached by by coaches who have a set idea of what they want and go out and get the players to fit that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, that is, and, and, you know, after watching Calleja for three years, I don't see that at all. And so is that therefore saying he's not the coach we want? I don't know. But I mean mm-hmm. it's all of this stuff you can look at and turn it both ways. Mm-hmm. And and I would note that the the time we made the Champions League with Garrido, we all know what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so that was again success on the field by the sort of results but systemically, I think we knew that we were, and and you you dropped war before the Pythagorean. I think is the one I'm thinking of in baseball terms, where it sort of predicts based on what your runs for and against were, what your record should be, and mm-hmm. shows sort of where you're shooting the moon. I'm quite sure in the fourth place Garrido year, our Pythagorean did not say we should have finished fourth. <laughs> it, yeah. it it would have said something different, and that was borne out by uh, the following year's results. Um, yeah. So so, but I think one other thing that that's interesting in this, and we've talked about this sort of player, you know, what system do we want? Do we even know what our best system was? I think was one one of our podcasts mm-hmm. earlier this year, pre right. pre pandemic. You know, I think one thing that's interesting, and we sort of noticed it, and maybe we could have read some tea leaves a bit more if this comes to fruition. You, you know, we've been signing Sevilla type players now <laughs> over the past couple of transfer windows, <laughs> including former Emery players. I, I do believe I'm pretty sure he and Baca coincided. Um, but Ibora, you know, mm-hmm. I would call Albiol a Sevilla like player. Of course, Alberto Moreno was there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Angisa is, and we struggled so much this year to say, boy, like, put the ball at his feet sometimes or let him shoot from distance and he looks like, you know, the next Makelele and then try and have him do the basic stuff we need out of a pivot and, you know, he, he wouldn't make our B team. Um, mm-hmm. Does he fit a lot better into a system and therefore say, okay, maybe you'd actually spend the money on signing him? Because yeah. I, I don't think on the balance you could say, oh, if you spent $25 million for him, like that would just be crazy. Like you've seen it in fits and starts that there's a reason. Some games he looks like a world beater. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, and, and maybe, you know, if you put him in a system more tailored to skills versus wedded to this is what Villarreal has always done, which I think, again, just would be hard for somebody like Kaeha, a guy, you know, from the content, you know, from the system, and who sort of owes his job to management to be able to come